Hey, it's Irving, and you are listening to Asians in Space. I would like to begin by acknowledging that I am fortunate enough to write, record, and produce this podcast on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people. I am joined this week in conversation by photographer, storyteller, and community organizer Kayla Isomura. We discuss everything in regards to the Suitcase Project, how to bridge intergenerational trauma, and the question, no, where are you really from? The Suitcase Project is a multimedia exhibit uh, which encompasses photography, videography, um, audio and text excerpts, um, asking fourth and fifth generation Japanese, Canadians, and Americans what they would pack, thinking about the um, internment and incarceration that happened uh, during the Second World War. So... So what's the process like that? Because for the photography aspect, you get them to pack their suitcase in their own like house or room yeah so what i did um so this was started off in, in 2018 when i um met and interviewed and photographed uh, a bunch of people um in vancouver and seattle mm-hmm. and um what i did was um i sort of coordinated with all these people who were going to be participating in this project and about one or two days before I met up with them, I sent them a copy of of a notice that people would have received um, in 1942, um, indicating what they would have been able and allowed to pack with them mm-hmm. um, to leave the West Coast and go inland. Um, so I would go to different people's houses <laughs> and <Yeah>. show up <laughs> and be like, I'm here. Um, no but i would yeah i would go to different i would go to everybody's houses because where these photos took place um were in each person's house and part of wanting to do that was not only um looking and asking people what they would be packing with them but thinking about what they would be leaving behind so when you look at the final images you'll see people in like their bedrooms and their living rooms outside of their houses um and it's just that concept of what would you be leaving behind because during the Second World War, um, Japanese Canadians, uh, while they were interned, um, found out that they would not be returning home and that the government, the Canadian government, um, uh, seized all of their property and possessions and sold it without consent. And they put these for auction and what they sold them for was much less value than what they were worth. Yeah, everything was like for the lowest dollar and then like people would get the money or some of the money back, but I don't know, I think it, it's just so insignificant when people are just like, well, why are you selling our things at all? Mm-hmm. And The Canadian government was like, you're a threat to security, quote unquote even though a lot of Japanese Canadians, even at that time, have no connection with Japan because they've lived in Canada their entire lives. Yeah, like there's just so much fear around, I like following like the bombing of Pearl Harbor um, that like Japanese people were like 
labeled as quote unquote enemy aliens um, and like community leaders were sort of just like immediately pulled out of their homes and communities and detained um, just out of this fear that I don't know I guess that the Japanese were somehow spies or like right. not like invaders invaders yeah and to protect democracy right and Canadian freedoms for sure even though a lot of these Japanese Canadians considered themselves Canadians yeah and I mean more specifically yeah this happened like along the west coast so in British Columbia where that racism was specifically already happening mm-hmm. like prior to um, the bombing of Pearl Harbor and uh, like leading up to that like first yeah, several was... years <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, what was the experience for you and I guess your participants if you feel comfortable speaking for them I guess yeah them, like packing up essentially a suitcase yeah for sure um, I think for a lot of people it was quite an emotional experience because um, for the majority of these people that were participated that participated they had or they have this direct connection to the internment incarceration where they had their grandparents or other relatives who experienced mm-hmm. this history. And so for some people, they expressed how it was like being in their shoes, like to some degree, yeah. to like feeling what they were experiencing, like having to go room to room and figuring out what can I fit in like this one bag or mm-hmm. like this very limited baggage type of thing. And of course, it's like not going to be the exact same experience, and it's not necessarily about like recreating the same experience. Um, but you're still in that mindset of being like, oh, well, now I actually have to to think a little bit more critically about. Yeah, if I have one bag to fit, right? My life in materials. What do I bring? Like, yeah. yeah. What do I have? Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, it was like very unexpected. Like. A big thing for me was like in the end of this project I had included like over 60 people um, in that sort of in like that round of photos in 2018 mm-hmm. and that's a lot of people it is a lot of people good yeah, job over three months <laughs> <Good job. laughs> um, this is how burnout happens <laughs> um, but yeah I think that was the thing for me I didn't expect that that many people would be interested because um, right. like for me growing up like I didn't know other Japanese-Canadian people outside of my family, and we didn't really talk about our Japanese-Canadian identity or history or culture, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, up until that time, like, I knew other young people in the community, but, like, it was from a very specific um, type of event that I had attended where I had met these people. So I was just like, well, like, we'll see. So I think just the, like, when that happened, when I got this big response to people wanting to participate, I yeah. was like, it, for me, it was like, this, oh, this of like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. wow. People I are... tapped into something that, like, is yeah. new. Yeah. Or that was, like, just underneath the surface that, like, no one else has, like, uncovered yet, or, yeah. Yeah, so it's been interesting, because I think throughout this whole process, because, um, like, it's, like, just extended into, like, my life now, just continuing, because um, the, the whole work went up in exhibition in 2018 at the Nikkei National Museum in Burnaby but now it's like 
a traveling exhibit. So right now it's like, right now it's in San Francisco. And so this whole thing, it just keeps continuing. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, it's been two years. And like, obviously we're still talking about it. (laughs) And like, we should keep talking about it because I haven't, I've learned about it a bit in school in history classes and stuff. But I guess I wasn't like fully immersed in it until like I went to go see Japanese Problem Mm. and then even this past year when I went to go see Hold These Truths Mm. um but it's just always interesting to me what is considered like canon in terms of like history for nations for sure and what isn't and the ones that we I guess the communities and peoples where these events have traumatized and targeted what that is just is and sometimes like you not knowing um that knowledge not having that knowledge of self really yeah can be very damaging yeah like it's funny to think about because i i vaguely like i feel like we didn't really talk about it in school like i and like my memory of really like learning about this history within Mm -hmm. my own family was like some point in high school i was like well i think that i knew that my my grandparents lived somewhere in bc for some reason but i don't really know why or where yeah and like i'm like like clearly i didn't know what like clearly i just didn't know about like internment but when i was doing this project Mm -hmm. like um i had brought a friend with me to accompany me on one of the shoots when we were on Vancouver Island and he's actually from Australia and so he was here on a working visa um. and I'm always like I always feel wary when I talk about this history with people because I'm like I don't know what people know if people know it at all or, or how, do how they much. just like buy into the PR yeah. nonsense of the Canadian government being like we're multicultural and great right and so but my <laughs> friend was like like growing up in like Australia was like oh, we actually learned about this in school, like, a little bit, like, about the internment incarceration that happened in to Japanese Canadians and, like, Americans. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. So he actually, like, had some baseline understanding of, like, what had actually happened. Mm-hmm. But I think it's that thing. It's, like, where you don't talk about what happens in your own country. Yeah. You talk about what happens in other places, in other yeah. faraway places. Um, it almost adds to an effect of, like, mystifying Right. what happened to right yeah exactly since like australia's very far away yeah exactly <laughs> right? right and yeah. like yeah but also like i think part of this was not even just thinking about like talking about this history like in the way that people i think have taken mm-hmm. taken this project to to like it's not just about talking about how a lot of us didn't talk about it but for me, it's also thinking about like how like how this history actually affected our generation, um, like my generation, and mm-hmm. also kind of thinking about like moving forward because like even though this happened in in like the nineteen forties, like this. I mean, that was only like eighty years ago. Yeah, but like this type of like discrimination and like forced uprooting and like discrimination yeah. and stuff like continues to happen today it's just like it's happening to other to like other people like it it, it just stopped happening to japanese people yeah but, like it to this day indigenous people are 
Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, just because residential school stopped doesn't mean... Yeah, yeah. There, there's, like, yeah, other things going on and, like, yeah. especially, like, with, like, refugees and, like, mm -hmm. um, undocumented, like, folks and, like, just a lot of things that yeah. it's just, like... And I feel for... I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel for racism against Asians. It's almost a form of, like, accepted polite racism. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, like, congratulations, <laughs> you've never felt it. Yeah. But, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, I was thinking about this recently because, uh, like, I, you saw my Instagram story about the, like, the white man poster. Um, like, one of my friends had received a flyer in Oh, the right. Sense. Yeah, that was... That was like three weeks ago, but it feels like it was 17 weeks ago. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago. But then, yeah, like specifically it was targeted towards quote-unquote white men, and it was very like anti, like, it was like fairly like... But I think I... Did you save it? <laughs> it's like... You keep talking, let me find it. No, yeah, it's like, it's like a combination of just like racist and like, because it was like basically... No, you know what it is? It was, you know how a lot of people say that, like, if you choose to see race or think, like, systemic racism is real or whatever? Yeah. That it's a victim mentality, quote-unquote? Yeah. So this flyer, like, the top, the first line says white men apostrophe being as if, like, white men are being disenfranchised. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, like, the messaging behind the flyer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, everything, though. And it's not just about race, because it's also about, like... It was like anti-feminist and just like it was just like a it, bunch of things. okay so like <laughs> you, you, yeah there's it's anti-islam anti-marxist anti-zionism and then anti-radical feminism yeah yeah so like it's just a bunch of stuff but like the main messaging for the fire is like white men you are not alone yeah like we have the power to fight back yeah and it's like okay <laughs> it was really well and like talking to my friend about that like they were like this is really scary like to like you know be receiving something like this and except and like mm -hmm. i totally understand because i'm just like think about it and also again like this is from my my own experience it's just like on this conversation of like yeah. asian or east asian people really feeling like oh like the context of like racism that we might experience is so just like i feel like it's shrugged off and this is one of those things that makes me feel like, well, this is why you shouldn't just shrug off. Like, yeah, but I have an idea of why. I'm, I'm, this isn't my original idea, of course, but a lot of other Asian people have said this. But it's, I feel like it's not really said that much or like acknowledged that much, but it's always like, oh, why is it okay to be like kind of, not kind of, racist against Asian people? And then I guess the reason why is because people can be like, that's not real racism. Real racism is what cops are doing to indigenous populations. Right. You got called, like, you got made fun of because of a joke, because you can't drive, quote-unquote, joke. Yeah. But at least, like, you're not getting shot by police. Right. Right? So I feel like that's I don't almost... No people that I know go that deep. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, it's like I think about like that. This is how I think about like. So like for me, that's why because I was like, people 
can always be like, you don't have it as bad as yeah, X. Right. And of course, it's like not as bad as what is like physically happening yeah. to like other groups of people. But it's like it doesn't necessarily like make it okay. You can't compare pain. Yeah. 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 And like, oh my gosh. Of like, course, I would not. Yeah. I'm not making a one-to-one yeah. equivalency, obviously, but I'm just saying that as long. This is the privilege we were talking about earlier about like East Asians have over other non-white people, right? And our proximity to whiteness is that like, oh, white white people won't kill you because like you guys are the good non-whites, right? Yeah, and just like it makes me think too of just like when I, so sometimes I like meet other folks and they're like, oh yeah, they're like. Uh, do you speak blah 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 and I'm like no I don't blah 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 okay whatever and they're like oh well I get it I'm also whitewashed and I'm just like it makes me feel so sad when people say that when they're so prideful of being whitewashed like particularly like yeah Asian East Asian people that's just so the reason why most East Asians are proud of being whitewashed is because like it's it's because of capitalism <laughs> like, right? Because I feel like for most Asian families or even immigrant families, they feel like if you make enough money or you get a good enough education, that's almost as if it's an antidote to racism. Right. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Like LeBron James got his house vandalized with the word with the N-word like on his garage door. Like racists don't care. Yeah. Which tax bracket you in, how great you are, whatever you do. Yeah. They're just gonna see what your skin color is the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it just makes me like sad because I'm just like I feel like I've I've been there, like when you're just like you're happy to be more like the white it's the white proximity thing, right? I mean I get it, like I grew up in Calgary. Yeah. So much internalized racism. Yeah, for sure. It just makes me sad because I'm just like... I'm sad about it now, but like, yeah. I understand where they're coming yeah. from because for 20 years I felt that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. I'm just like, please don't say that to me. I'm just going to cry. Yeah. I'm just going to go home and cry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I don't think I consider myself whitewashed now. Like, yes, obviously, I grew up with a lot more, like, Western and, like, maybe... Like, all of these things. I know, but that's... Yeah. M- but now, but it's like, I wouldn't be like, well, I'm white, like, I'm whitewashed. Also, like, that's I'm nobody's bad. fault where they're born. Of course. You don't control yeah. that. Of course. And yeah. how they're... Yeah. Like, their environment and everything, yeah. and a bunch of stuff, but... Yeah. Because, yeah, we're not responsible for the things we inherit. Yeah. And that we're born into that become a part of us. But it is our responsibility to unlearn like the fucked up shit that we inherit and fix them and reconcile those things. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Yeah, I don't think I've been. Yeah, I haven't met anyone that has told that has been proud that they are. Okay, this happened to me like a few weeks ago, wow. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm like just because I don't speak like a like a, no. a a certain language doesn't necessarily make me quote unquote whitewashed. In the, in the way yeah. that you are thinking about being whitewashed, mm-hmm. or like in the way that you feel about it. Did you encounter this, I guess, insecurity with your participants since they were fourth and fifth generation? Um, 
I found it interesting because I think it's more of like the reverse where some people um, in my generation have gone to study or live or work in Japan mm -hmm. uh, to like find themselves <laughs> to to feel like they want to like connect more with like maybe like their culture or their heritage yeah and I mean if you've never if you're Asian and like never been to Asia like you should go mm. because there's something unlocking I guess right of going to your ancestral home right first yeah. of all and two just being in a place where everyone looks like you Mm, that's true that's even though as soon as you land and if you've never been like the culture shock is gonna hit you hard and you're gonna be like i want to go back to canada mm. because i tell people like when i i don't feel more canadian or westernized more unless i'm an asian just because i'm like y'all look like me but i can tell like we are different yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i think it's sort of reversed in that they'll come home or like the people some people that i know mm -hmm. like it's not everybody but like and then they're prideful of the ability that they are able to speak japanese mm -hmm. or like they have these more like stronger cultural ties to like mm -hmm. traditional japanese mm -hmm. culture than like they would if they had just stayed here mm -hmm. or like whatever it was and like that's really interesting to me i don't know i find discussions around authenticity very interesting but also in a lot of ways very limiting, um, especially, yeah, like say with this podcast and it's like, what does it mean to be Asian? And like, again, my argument has always been, not always been, but when I started doing this type of work, being like, that's up for you to define. And if you're Asian, you do something that's like, okay, that doesn't make you any less Asian, quote unquote, or whatever, right? And I know for me and like, this work and these projects I couldn't care less if you spoke your like ancestral tongue if you know how to use chopsticks if like you know those like fucking food columns that say like this is the proper way to eat sushi or like pho or whatever it's like I don't care about any of those things I just care like do you understand your like people's history in, co in the context of this continent as well as like the context of Asia. Yeah. And are you interested in like learning more about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, like actually just yesterday in a Facebook group, somebody was asking like, oh, what are some, some Japanese words that were common in your household to like refer to certain things? And so people were commenting like certain words and whatever. And then some people were like, someone was like, mm -hmm. oh, we, we didn't, have any of like this in our in our household so can somebody please translate yeah and then someone's just like if you go to google and type in japanese to english but and then you're like that that's not the same yeah and i'm also just like that's so impersonal yeah and i'm like why does it have to be like this almost comes off like a competition like yeah it, it feels like in a way and it's like well what if you don't have that like yeah. access like what if like i didn't grow up we didn't grow up using any japanese words for right. anything like it's almost all. like a test yeah or sh a show of superiority in yeah way, right of like but how like, japanese are you and it's just like okay we don't no, it's on that. a scale yeah it's just like <laughs> like because yeah. not everyone has access to those things and we need to understand that when we're like in these spaces that like if somebody's if you're going to be referencing like 
uh, yeah. like a term in like a different in like a non-English uh, yeah. language like you you might want to you know say what that is so right. people understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> because yeah but yeah back to your project though um what has the response been um pretty good <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, we, we can yeah. start with, we'll talk about the pretty good. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been, like, yeah. there's nothing, like, there's nothing bad or, like, weird yeah. about it. Like, obviously, like, like I said, like, we're still talking about it today, mm -hmm. and it's, it, like, the exhibit's continuing to happen. Yeah. And I think part of that, I think it's because it speaks to those two elements of, like, one, like, the historical, as people say, the historical recreation, but then also talking about, like, the, the connection to, like, the present and like that will always be the present I think as, mm -hmm. as long as we have you know forced deportation <laughs> or, or it's forced like the idea removal. of like history being more of a continuum yeah. than just like set chapters of like oh 1945 ended yeah. new chapter it's after over. World War II <laughs> yeah we'll never look back at this again <laughs> which of course that's how the government wanted it but <laughs> yeah because okay so like these racist policies and legislation they just don't happen overnight right and even if you get rid of them if you don't get rid of the racism yeah and xenophobia yeah. that led to those things then it's like you didn't solve anything for sure yeah <laughs> and it's like it's not done because you apologized or like yeah like you gave us money or like whatever yeah even though the coalition of japanese canadians didn't even want any of those things redress wasn't like reparations or an apology it was they wanted legislation in place so like nothing like this would ever happen again. Yeah, which I think is important. And like, uh, just thinking more, just like, uh, failed government. <laughs> so, I mean, for a lot of people, it's like the government is working. Yeah. The way like, it's supposed to. It's like, in theory, this specific incident has not happened again, but it's like, it's happening in other ways. I mean, like in the exact same I mean residential schools were lasted until nineteen ninety five. And those are essentially internment camps. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's like when the government looks at it, they're like, This is not like how like they would So no the government looked at the being like internment camps was like war, quote unquote emergency, quote unquote, thing for the sake of security. I think they look at residential schools as like they're doing it's white man savior complex. Right. They're doing the indigenous people that they're break, destroying families and culture and applying cultural genocide. For sure. And also genocide because yeah. residential schools are an evil place. Yeah. That, yeah, they weren't taking care of those kids. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the difference, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. I think that's the whitest I will ever sound on this podcast. <laughs> Mansplaining the difference between internment camps and residential schools. Yikes, I'm trying, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go shower. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, anyways, you're saying. Um, <laughs> about, yeah, the difference? Or no, oh, about how, like, yeah. I think you just said it. <laughs> Sorry. I said it so you didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Well, that's good. Most of it's in positive. Has have people reached out to you, being like, I, I guess, the same way 
I've seen people respond to Japanese problem or like hold these truths in that it was just like almost like oh thank you for telling like these stories yeah so specific actually there's a few comments that I could think of very specifically <laughs> they would probably on my phone somewhere but it's over there yeah. but it's fine I'll paraphrase <laughs> it's okay. uh, well it's interesting because like, obvi- like obviously this work was created specifically with fourth fifth generation mm-hmm. um, people like the Japanese diaspora um, and two of the comments that responses that I had sent out to me was one like sort of while I was I think it was before the exhibit actually opened I can't mm-hmm. remember but somebody had messaged me on Instagram and was like they were traveling and, and they were just like, yeah, I'm not at home right now. But they were like, I was reading about um, about your project and like, it, it's made like I'm crying and I'm on like the bus like in India or something. And they're like, eh, but like the internment is the reason why I was grew up and was born and raised in like in Alberta um, instead of BC, like where my yeah. parents and like one of my family like was yeah, before, before the war. Previously, yeah. And then another fourth generation, mm-hmm. like Japanese Canadian person living in Quebec, uh, I guess had visited the exhibit over the summer and was like, um, all the stories that they had experienced in the exhibit, they were like talking about how they really resonated with them um, and talking about how hard that is to find um, in Quebec, just mm-hmm. in terms of like these people and these stories. Um, so just to have all of these in one place, because it's a combination of just stories of how people's experience, different experiences growing up, like mm-hmm. with or without, um, like, I guess Japanese culture or like community, um, and you know, like their relationship with this history, um, and the other, and the other one outside of that was somebody who commented about um, how the exhibit made them think about them fleeing their home in Russia and. Uh, coming over here to Canada as a refugee. Mm-hmm. So, like, those th- like those comments are the ones that I think about when I think about the, like, I guess, the yeah. of this work. Yeah, what you mentioned about how just families have the choice of either settling in other parts of Canada, which were as far away from BC as possible, or they were like, you can go back to Japan and for a lot of them, it was like, we've never seen Japan either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting because like, yeah, there was the, and the, like, it's the idea of what happens when you just scatter yeah. the community to the wind. Yeah, which is why a lot of people feel like they didn't grow up with other, with necessarily like, with other, you know, Japanese, Canadian Mm-hmm. people or community even though like you know in certain towns or cities there were strong yeah stronger communities and stronger like networks of people but like you know if, if like for the most part though, yeah. I feel like it's very yeah scattered in and we should also mention that when the Japanese Canadians were released from internment it's not like they had the option of even going back to BC to like reconnect with people yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. They were told to go east of the Rocky Mountains or be exiled to Japan. Yeah. So, with their one suitcase and stuff. Yeah. That they made away. That's the Yeah. Um. Let's try.
transition to... So we talked previously last month, I think, about when you started listening to this podcast and the episode with Nicole in particular. I think I posted as a caption on the Instagram page as like, I was thinking... I think I said, like, this podcast will make you think about white people. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I just wanted to discuss, I guess, um, one of the things you said when you're going off on the feelings that were brought up. <laughs> I know, I think that's giving you a play-by-play of my feelings throughout the episode. <laughs> um... You said your experience about, uh, there were a lot of, okay, so one of the responses Japanese Canadians had, even before internment, during internment, and after, um, was this idea of, we have to follow this law to sh- in order to prove um, we are good Canadians. And once they see we're quote-unquote good Canadians, whatever that means they'll stop doing these cruel things to us. Mm-hmm. And one of the t- tactics a lot of Japanese Canadians had to reassimilate into a country that t- turned their backs on them and oppressed them was we should marry like white Canadians as proof that we are good Canadians. Yeah. And for you... Um, you mentioned that a lot of white parents are the ones who took the initiative to share this history. Yeah, I think it's interesting because with like, their mixed Japanese children. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, um. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's like <laughs> this is a big idea. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that like it was obvious. It wasn't like explicit that like. Japanese Canadian people had to marry like white people. No, but it was like a tactic. But to... obviously, with the it, the whole idea yeah. of like dispersing Japanese Canadians was about assimilation. So obviously, when you are like kind of going back to that time and like that history, like following um, the war, I feel like from like my understanding of my conversations with some people, there's a lot of distance from like that people had from Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Whether that was like, you know, certain like whether that was parents stopping like you know, refusing to speak Japanese, um, refusing like some people refusing to, you know, ever use chopsticks, yeah. um, you know, just wanting to put on this Western Canadian appearance as best as they can to yeah. sort of fit in and like not stick out. And so like as a result of that they're like it's a known fact in our community that like Japanese people in Canada have the highest rate of intermarriage and I feel yeah. like dominantly it's uh, mixed specifically mixed white marriages um, so there are there's a like a lot of people within the Japanese Canadian community yeah. who are mixed white um, and I like I've had like we all like Japanese Canadians have this history too of like being reluctant to you know talk about our history mm-hmm. um, for, a, for a lot of people that history wasn't passed down these stories weren't shared um, and it's interesting a- yeah like, Asians are not good with talking about shame yeah for sure it's like <laughs> let's just move 
forward. Yeah. Let's move on. Like, the past is the past type of yeah. thing. And I think the experience I've had with, like, a couple of friends, at least, like, talking to them, it's, like, their white parent were the, was the one who was, like, more, like, exposing them, I guess, to the history. Mm-hmm. Or, like, having, like, this knowledge, sharing yeah. this knowledge of, like, their like their family with them. And I find that really interesting. Um, but I think that's just a result of, like, that, like, intergenerational trauma and, like, yeah. the lack of, like, not sharing stories with, like, the other parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... I remember when I, I talked to Nicole about this on our, the Japanese Problem episode um, and how after every show they had a debrief, which was good because the performance was a lot. <laughs> and I said back in that episode, like, I didn't say anything just because I didn't feel it was my place to. But there was this one mother-daughter group, I guess. I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> They're together, mother daughter. <laughs> Set. They came together. Yeah, they came together. <laughs> but uh, sh- they were both Japanese, and they mentioned how they were taking a tour, essentially, of all the internment campsites to learn about their history together. Because I guess the mom hadn't. Yeah. And they both felt it was important that they learned about it, and it was something that they could do together. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess that's different from what you said, but again, everybody's lived experience is different. Yeah, for sure. And ways to deal with intergenerational trauma is different for everyone. There's no right way or wrong way to do it. Yeah. But that, I thought that was really cool, considering that was, like, three years ago, two years ago? Yeah, for sure. And I still remember that. Yeah. And, yeah, and I feel like, on the contrary, like, of course, there are... There are it's not like there are no, like, like Japanese Canadian parents who aren't talking with this mm. with their their kids, but like, I think it's just very dependent. But like, yeah, just we have like this history of yeah with that like trauma of that, or like for example like my dad like <laughs> he is now at the point where he will actually explain the reason why he's like when we ask him questions about mm-hmm. his parents, he's just like, well, my parents didn't talk about it with me. And I'm like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, that's all you ever had to say yeah. when we have ever asked you anything yeah. about this. Um, and now, yeah, he's at the point where he'll say that. And I feel like, yeah, well, my parents, yeah, they just didn't talk to me about it, like, really. And I'm like, yeah, because that's, like, a normal thing that happened. Like, that's not uncommon. Yeah. No, it's... Asian immigrant parents love to keep secrets. <laughs> <laughs> like they do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think your dad has shifted? Um, Is it because he's, he's getting older? Is because no? I think he's shifted because well, my sister and I because we've gotten actually a lot, really, really a lot involved in the Japanese Canadian community over mm-hmm. the past few years. He, I think, through that exposure he's actually slowly gotten more and more interested and involved like it's almost as if your if your guys's work almost gave him permission yeah to like open that to be like oh this is okay to talk about yeah because like i think after the first year that we started to get interested in that my sister took us on her my dad and i we went on like an internment bus tour where 
yeah. and we got to see a bunch of the sites and uh, like honestly like that was 2015 and then in the last couple years he actually got involved with like being on the board of like the Nikkei Center um, mm-hmm. but like I think there was this large gap where it was very idle so he went on this bus tour with us and then so he did the thing and I think he really enjoyed it like he he found a photo of his dad at like um, in some archives um, playing <laughs> playing hockey or baseball or some yeah. sport and so he was very excited about that and then I think so there's that excitement and like that wave of excitement he sort of stayed connected a little bit with that yeah and then it died down and he kind of got involved now with like the Nikkei Center and so that's yeah. been really interesting um, but yeah <laughs> so that's pretty much I think why it's because my sister and I have been like involved I couldn't imagine going to one of those sites and like finding yeah a photo of a family member yeah that's yeah. wild so I actually recently got some files from somebody uh, about it's like some paperwork that mm-hmm. my dad's my dad's mom's family mm-hmm. no his dad's no my dad my dad's dad's family would have filled out before before going before being interned and before like basically signing over all their possessions to the government and that was really interesting because it detailed like how much money they had in their bank um, whether or not they had a pet and what they wanted to do with it um, where they were going, who was in the family, what like prized possessions yeah. or like high value items they had with them, um, and that was like for me that was yeah. yeah that was like probably like one of the more emotional experiences I've had in relation to this history over yeah. like the because past because it was years. direct documentation yeah it was direct documentation and like uh, my dad's talked about how like. He, he, he comes from parents who had like very little and like yeah you know his my grandfather's family I guess were quite like impoverished and stuff and so it was really interesting to see because it was like yeah like at this time they had four hundred dollars in their bank account which like I calculated the um, value the value the, today the, yeah. and it's still like it's only like fifteen hundred dollars yeah. for like a family of five yeah. and stuff and I'm like that's not very much no. money at all to be living it was really interesting and like the 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 point that for me was just like oh my god was like the date that they signed it the date that they signed over all of their things to the government yeah was may 5th 1942 and may 5th is also my birthday oh wow and i was just like oh my god i was like <laughs> it's just i think that just juxtaposition of thinking of like this day that for me is like a is supposed to be like a celebratory like happy like those yeah. you know like a birthday and yeah. then associating with the fact that well on this day actually this also happened in my family right like, at one point and that's also really interesting but yeah again it's like that idea of like oh well this is yeah official documents and like paperwork yeah and like they had actually hand filled out and everything it's wild yeah <laughs> The universe is amazing, but yeah, no, it knows. Yeah, it, it was really interesting. And I was like, oh my gosh, now I have to send this, I have to forward this to my dad and my sister. And I'm like, I don't know how they're going to respond to this. Like, I'm just like, here you go. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if they had the same response as I did. We obviously never talked about it. <laughs> um, that's fine. I feel like that's 
something you work up towards talking <laughs> about maybe or it's just like i need to process this myself before you know, we'll see um yeah <laughs> <laughs> what were if you can share what were some of the more things that stand out to you from the interviews that you did for the project um Yeah, sorry to put you on the phone. No, like this, no, it's but... okay. Um, some of the things that I think about um, were other people feeling that they also grew up and not necessarily like fit in with where they grew up. Yeah. So I remember, and it was okay. Cause, like there was people in this project who were like there was like a baby up to like people who were like in their early fifties, and yeah. large, large age, age range. Yeah. Um, and talking to like this one person in his late 40s i think Mm -hmm. and he was like has this comment where he was like yeah do i try to fit in um like i look like i never fit in and like i looked in the mirror and he's like yeah i'm still not white (laughs) and i was just like oh my god like i feel like i feel this and that comment like that idea it's it's almost like yes we laugh because to cope but the real like the subtext of the phrase like oh, i'm still not white it's like oh i'm still not like the correct quote-unquote color right yeah yeah so like to hear to connect with people and feeling like we had very similar experiences growing up mm-hmm. i think was really interesting but then on the contrary to that to like hear a couple people talking about what it was like to actually grow up with like maybe their grandparents where they were exposed to like more Japanese culture or whatever and like the differences of that of like that what that's like Mm -hmm. or talking to the younger people like who were in high school and being like wow like you're in high school and you're like you're 15 like 14 15 years old and you're interested in talking about this wow like I'm so impressed yeah because like like I said, like when I was in high school, I was, I was like, like dickhead when I was fifteen. Yeah, I was just like, I had no clue. I was not thinking about this. Yeah, I was just like, whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow. It's like it goes back to like this feeling that I have that I'm like, oh my god, kids are so smart. Kids are getting so smart. They're smarter every, every. Generation. Yeah, the kids will be all right. Yeah, and I'm just like, like yeah, like on my Asian Canadian can always make the joke sometimes. So it's like Gen Z's gonna eat us all to survive, and like we all deserve it. Yeah. It's like good for them. <laughs> So yeah, those are those are some of the things. Um, and actually, one of the other things that I think about is somebody talking about how it, like Japanese culture being cool mm-hmm. today, and yeah. so for him being able to like access that, um, mm-hmm. whereas his dad wasn't able to necessarily. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, like it's definitely true. Like when when people when people. Like, I know we kind of talk, like, when people ask, like, I know we sort of talked about this, like, the, where are you from or whatever. Yeah. And then they find out that I'm mixed Japanese and Chinese Canadian. They're always mm-hmm. just like, oh, have you ever been to Japan? Oh, I was just in Japan. Oh, my God, I love Japan. Oh, my God, do you speak Japanese? <laughs> like, I don't, people, people don't really give a shit about, it, like, my Chinese side in the same way that they care about the Japanese side. It becomes almost as ethnicity becomes a complete stand-in for identity right almost it's like no that's not how it works yeah 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 and i'm just like uh yeah like everybody like i always know somebody who's in japan at any given time like people are just always there nobody's in china except my one friend who grew up in china (laughs) obviously i know it's frustrating 
just for people to just toss everything else about your identity aside. Do you feel like they're trying to impress you, or are the, or is like them think, or do they just simply think that's the best way to connect with you? <laughs> I think it's, it's like, they think it's the best way to connect with me. I'm just like, cool. You've been to Japan. Cool. I don't really care. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know Japan well enough to know, like, much about the geography and, like, the city. And, like, your and, like, experience. Right? And yeah. so I'm just like, maybe talk to me about somewhere where I, like... Or it's like, are you really interested in Japan? Right. Or myself? Or you just want to brag right now and, like, try and flex? Yeah, I think it's about flex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went on a biking trip in Japan, and I'm like, cool. Good for you. I haven't. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know how to respond to this comment. <laughs> like, what do you even say? You're talking at me right like, now. I don't cool know. Cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I do remember us talking about, like, that question of where are you really from? And, like, us exit. I always say that... It's a coded way of saying, like, justify why you are in this space. Yeah. What are you? Or, like, how did you get here? Yeah. I was thinking about that, actually, I think after you, when we last, I guess it was last week. Wow, it feels so long ago. And I was It's like, been a week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I remember the one, thinking about the one time a white man shook my hand, um, uh-huh. as he said, wow, your family's been here longer than mine has. And this was after he kept asking me, where are you from? Where were you born? Oh, where, where were your parents born? Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, okay, let's, let's... Did he <laughs> ask, like, where your grandparents were from? It, it... <laughs> or was it going there and then you're just it, like... It yeah. was going there because it, it got to the point when he was, like, on, like, his third or fourth question, like, where, oh, well, where are your parents from? Or yeah. where were your parents born or whatever? And I was like, okay. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, my parents were born here, and then I'm just like, and their parents were born here, and I'm like fourth generation on both sides of my family, Canadian. And then he's like, oh, shakes my hand, congratulations, wow, your family's been here longer than mine has. And I'm like... Sorry, I don't know how to respond to this. Yeah, I'm just like, I've never had someone shake my hand before. (laughs) It's weird... It's, it's that polite racism that's accepted. Yeah, like, he was clearly not expecting me to say that. He wanted yeah. me to just tell him that, like, oh, well, I was... My parents were born outside of Canada in yeah. this other place, and whatever. And this is the languages that I speak. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, probably what he wanted. I was called exotic two weeks ago for the first time ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, I don't know, because I didn't know... No, because I was never called that before. <laughs> and I remember I joked to my one friend who I talked to. I was like, does this mean I peaked? <laughs> so exotic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, we we were saying how, like, what's the best response to that? <sighs> Where are you from? Well, I, I, and I'm like... Well, my natural response is to be like, well, I'm from here. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's a real answer, but like, you know. Yeah, but then that didn't work. No, but then people, yeah. they ask like, no, as if like, you're incorrect. Yeah, like the last time this happened, like, <laughs> pinpoint the date. <laughs> in it's in my calendar. Uh... <laughs> in December, and this person was like, where are you from? And I was just like, oh, I'm from here. Like, I didn't, yeah. I was like, fuck this question. And then she's like, oh, you know what I mean. 
And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, but then I I understood why she was saying it like that in that way. It's because I was sitting at a table with all of my coworkers who yeah. were all first or second generation, uh, like first or second generation. What's like Canadian immigrants? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so for them, they had this like more direct tie to like some other place or mm-hmm. some other language right, right, that right. wasn't just here. Yeah. And so I get it, but also like the way that it's like, I'm like, why do you have to say it like that? You know what I mean? And like, you don't have to be so PC about it. And I'm like, well, it's, th- yeah, it's because I'm just like this question. I'm like, can't be asked this question like this all the time, but it's like it's been a week. That train's never late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think that's the way. And I, I find like in that specific work workplace in that specific work environment. And I think that's how some people f- connect with other people. Yeah. Just talking about their, you know, like like language or culture or yeah. like so these things. I feel like I have to preface this by saying like it's not bad to ask people what their background is. But what we find annoying, I'm saying we because I'm assuming you have the same feeling about this as I do. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm assuming we do because we talked about it before. <laughs> Is that what's your intention behind the question? Right. Yeah. And we know if you're just curious about it and that's the end of the conversation, you don't want to deep dive. You don't want to dive deeper into it. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Don't be a dick about it. Yeah. But if you're, like, genuinely curious, I'll happily have a discussion about it. Right. Yeah. And maybe if we refer to a question, like, you know, like, you just want to know what, like, my ethnicity or whatever is. Yeah, as if you have, like, ethnicity bingo in your pocket yeah, and you're ready to check out. Yeah, maybe just ask that question. Yeah. But, yeah, I think at the point where it's, like, people ask me, it depends on the person, it depends on the context. Because sometimes yeah. if I don't want to deal with this person, then I'm just like, oh, well, like, yeah, I'm Japanese and Chinese. Or, like, Japanese, Chinese, Canadian. And then like, yeah. oh, and then like, which parent is? It's weird. <laughs> no, it actually goes into more layers. Which parent does your parent speak? Blah blah blah. Okay, now I'm having oh, all my repressed memories. I don't even <laughs> Where are you from? PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just re-envisioning all the times, but yeah. So I don't know how I. Yeah, I think it really depends how I respond to that question and who I'm with. And like, yeah, you know, it's like, well, how much time do you have? Like, should we really get into it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Also, white people, just stop asking. Yeah. But it's not even just white people. But I have more sympathy and understanding for, like, the yeah. non-white people. But also, because me, I don't get asked. I do get asked it, just because I am, like, you can tell I'm Asian, but I'm, it's very ambiguous. Um, but... That can't be the first thing you ask me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Before you ask me even what my name is. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about your name? Yeah. yeah. And if you don't believe me, it's happened. Well, a lot where so people how, have asked me. So, like, how do you respond if people do that to you? Um, it, it depends on the person, like you said, and, like, the context of and how I'm feeling. But generally, if I just want you to go away, I'll just tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. when I tell people, they're like, oh, I've never heard of that, like, that before. And then it's like, okay, well, I exist, so I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. 
but the like genuine if like we're friends and we're cool like you'll probably know what my mix is already but like i've told you like my general answer now is when people ask me where i'm from i told them i was born in calgary my parents and my brother are still there but my friends and chosen family are like the lower mainland right yeah yeah so you're like you've got the preset (laughs) (laughs) i need to work on them Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I feel like when I was younger, yeah. well, I don't know, maybe people just stopped, or maybe I just started blocking people out, but, like, there was, there is, was a point where people would also respond to that, my response by being, like, don't China and Japan hate each other? And I'm just, like, how do I even respond? Like, I'm, like, well... Do you know how old Chinese and Japanese <laughs> civilization is? Yeah, it's just, like... <laughs> People ask a lot of questions that I just like. I you you know what's funny though. Now that I think about it, when you ask that question, if someone's English and French, you could also ask that exact same question of them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like doesn't don't Japan and China hate each other? Doesn't all of Europe hate each other? Yeah. Like <laughs> people just ask the weirdest questions, and clearly they never. Or as it, or or them. like expecting as if you would have an answer for that question. Yeah, it's like, y- yes? Like, I don't know, like, what? You hate black people, but you still listen to rap music? <laughs> oh. oh my god. Kayla does not hate black people. I was saying that to a hypothetical white person. White <laughs> <laughs> person. They're just sitting over there. You say all lives matter, but still listen to Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Your plans for the project? More interviews, more people, just... Yeah. yeah, so I'm going to go down to San Francisco in April. Um, so the exhibit will be up from now until mm-hmm. July in San Francisco. And so I'm going down in April, and while I'm there, I'm going to be expanding the project. So doing some localized um, stories and photographs mm-hmm. with people in the Bay Area. Um, Yeah, and that's just something that I've thought about wanting to do because I think that our environments can really play a role in like how we grow up. Um, And there, there are like large, there are large numbers and large communities and pockets of Japanese American people like in California. Yeah. And so, there, and you know, everyone has such varied uh, like family stories as well, and so and relationships with like our history. So, yeah, I'm. And also the context of growing up in America is different than in Canada. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something that I've wanted to do is, like, continue, like, this conversation with other young-ish, like, people, like, of the Japanese diaspora. um, That weren't, that were never directly connected to. Well, yeah. In in, in terms of, like, them physically being around. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Because, obviously, they're physical connection by proxy is them being Japanese. Yeah, of course, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Like, my expansion will, like, continue, like, specifically with, like, the suitcase project, the people Mm -hmm. who I'm going to be meeting in April will have also, will also identify as, like, fourth, fifth generation. But, I mean, outside of that, like, I am interested in, like, continuing this conversation about, like, growing up and everything, like, with other people who maybe, who... Like don't who could be like first second generation right. like um, 
as well because that's such a different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Um, I guess last thing, where can people find you? Do you have anything to plug? Um, that's probably my pluggable thing. Okay. Yeah, it's specifically... If people want to keep up with the project, I guess, how can they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a website, um, suitcaseproject.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, otherwise, you have to find me on social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Instagram and Twitter at Kayla Iso, K-A-Y-L-A-I-S-O. Mm, Facebook, but people don't really use Facebook, do they? I don't use Facebook anymore. So there you go. If you if you are maybe over the age of fifty or sixty, I have a Facebook page. <laughs> Sorry. I like how I said I don't use Facebook, and that just became no one uses Facebook. <laughs> you know, what? I'm finding a lot of younger people are leaning towards Instagram and like Twitter. So. Well, I mean, I just took it off my phone. Okay. Well, it's not. But like, then it's like I. Yeah. I never type it in my browser ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. But then like. I guess I missed just like all the Black History Month events going on because of it. There should be other ways to do things. I know, but like... Not dependent on Facebook. (laughs) I know, but... (laughs) But everything is on Facebook for a bit. (sighs) Yeah, that's why I can't delete Facebook yet. I just don't check it. (laughs) That's true. Ever, but it's fine. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. If you don't check it, you won't know what you're missing out on, so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think... I don't know if I have anything. Sorry, wow, this is just going. No, it's fine. Yeah, um, well, specifically for that as well, like when I go down in April, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm collecting crowdfunding donations. You can say that with your chest. <laughs> I can say that louder. It's, yeah. weird. it's weird to ask for money. It, it's a weird feeling to be. I know, but like... Yeah, okay, well, if you feel inclined, I'll say that. <laughs> say that with chest. Put some bass um, in your voice. Ah. <laughs> For people who feel inclined in supporting the suitcase project, I'm also crowdfunding to uh, help me uh, afford to do my interviews and stuff when I go down in April to San Francisco and like for future. Um, and that information is also on suitcaseproject.ca mm, I don't have anything else to plug really okay. yeah maybe just like give Kayla money and send your compliments <laughs> but also don't just send me money I think people should also be supporting um, you there's, know, a, there's a lot of things you could be sending money to right now there are a lot of things going on and I feel like if you have the ability, if you have the means please support those <laughs> they're more urgent things that yeah so don't feel obligated to support me but I feel like if you have the means, you should definitely be supporting. Very or even if you find that what you heard from her project was really dope, and you like what you see on the website, obviously. <laughs> We're not holding gun, metaphorical gun to your head. This escalated at once! <laughs> it's because it's, it's I told you to say it with your chest, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hold no metaphorical weapons, it's all urban. Not me. <laughs> No, I think you should <laughs> support your friends. That's what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Music is by Francis Arevalo. Logo designed by Gracie Messina. 
keep updated on Instagram at Asians in Space. Listen and subscribe to Asians in Space on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And to see other platforms it is available on, go to anchor.fm slash Asians in Space. My takeaway message for this week is a quote from the poet Richard Seitkin. Everybody needs a place. It shouldn't be inside of someone else. My name is Irving Trump. This is Asians in Space. See you next week. Until then, we out.